But yeah, we're talking today about this progression of of the depths of Christ that He takes us from from deep to deep. Uh, deep calls out to deep. That when you go deeper, you you get called into something deeper. But before we go too deep, let, you know, let's just start at the, the 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 gracious, glorious starting place of Christ. He he has so much depth available to us, but in His mercy and kindness, He starts off with a very simple, "Come unto Me, all you who are weary or heavy laden." I'm not going to lay a lot of deep doctrine on you. I'm not going to call you into understanding the Trinity. I'm, I'm just just come to me. And yeah. I, I love that about Christ. That, and actually, that's how you got all started, right? You're just just to come, yes. come as you are. Come, come unto me. I think, uh, you know, when you said, does Jesus have an agenda? Well, he didn't use the word, but he does state in the Bible that he came to seek and save mm, yeah. that which is lost. And, yeah. and uh, you know, that is, we all, we all enter through the same narrow gate. God calls us in different ways. But yeah, I think, uh, I think for me, the, that beautiful part of Christ that, that God took on flesh mm-hmm. and he walked among us, but that he met us where we were that I think that's, what's beautiful about the, the gospel representation about Christ is, um, you know, when he came to people, he, he just called them to himself and, yeah. you know, even like the children, it was just, it's so beautiful. And I, I think that's what, you know, sometimes a person even like myself can get, um, uh, you know, I don't ever want to forget that part, you know, because uh, that is the graciousness and the, yeah, like you said, come into me. My burden was heavy. Yeah. My load was heavy. All of us had yeah. a heavy load. So, yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful, it's it's beautiful to talk about. Yeah. And sometimes when we think about somebody having an agenda, you know, if we're not careful, we'll read it the wrong way, listen to it, hear it the wrong way. We'll hear it being like, he's doing this, but really behind the scenes, he has a, a mixed motive, a an agenda to get something out of us. And this is the opposite with Jesus. His agenda is ultimately for our benefit, but it's ultimately about him because, and, and that something about him is not uh, selfish. It's it's our, our greatest life comes out of seeing his greatest glory. And, yes. and so that that the the agenda of Christ is pure, holy, spotless, um, not, not like some of the agendas we might have. Uh, a, a pastor might have an agenda to, grow his church. So he's really nice to people. Right. A uh, businessman might have, or a woman might have an agenda to, uh, you know, mix socially with a lot of people, not to build real healthy relationships, but they could become clients. And that's not the agenda we're talking about here. This is the agenda of his manifest glory being fulfilled in our life by him drawing us into this greatest thing. Yeah. But the starting place for me, I always call it uh, the, 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 I will, I, or will, will you, uh, Jesus, as so many times in the Gospels, you know, you, you'll see this, and those listening are going to track with this instantaneously. Um, they came to Jesus, and the, the question that most of them initially asked would be a presenting problem question, or what some people call a felt need. And the question is formed in, will you? Will you heal my daughter? Will you touch my body? Because it has leprosy um, in Matthew 8, 2. The leper comes to him uh, and knelt before him, saying, "Lord, if you will." And and so that that's really the starting place for most of our faith. You know, yours was, "If you'll help me get off drugs." You know, some of my sons was was that. For me, it was different because I wasn't struggling with with those type of sins. I was struggling more with trying to find out who I am, and and so my my mind was, you know, if if you'll help me discover, you know. 
uh, things. That, yeah, so it was just it was a starting place, um, and we never wanted to denounce that, put that down. Uh, but we don't want to stop there. That's that's really what we're talking about today. That yeah. that that's that's just the beginning place. And so, but the scripture fill that the leper comes and makes him clean. He says Jesus has touched him and said, uh, uh, "I will be clean." So so we come to Jesus with our I wills, and clearly Jesus has a response to us. I will I will bless you. I will encourage you. I will help your family. I will help your finances. I will help your marriage. I, you know, and so. Sometimes I have to be careful. I don't know about you, but I have to be a little bit careful that I don't dismiss the I wills, wanting to get to the show me your glory. Right. Uh, you know, and and uh, I think you and I both, we talked about that once before, we, we tend to preach a revelation of his glory. Sometimes we might miss, I don't want to put you in my same No, I category. think we're there together. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so that's uh, another one. Same same chapter then, 8-5, um, when he entered Capernaum, a centurion came to came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is laying paralyzed at home, suffering terrible. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. So there's this, 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 you know, one is a leper and the other is a high level commander in, in, in an army. Uh, but both of them, so it shows there's, there's no category or sphere of influence of people that don't have a need to come to Jesus, the, the, the high and mighty and the low down and out have this same need. And we ask the same question, will will you? And, and so the, the scripture is filled with this, this question, I, you know, will you? That, and that's, it's a good thing. It's a starting place. The problem, here's, and here's, here's where this progression or the trajectory of Christ, he doesn't want us to stay there, right? Definitely. In that relationship. Yeah, completely. I think, uh, you know, you're, you're right. We, we can't ignore the needs of people. Um, you know, I, I used to say this when I pastored in Teen Challenge, but even in, in a regular church, um, you know, people come to you with needs, but obviously, you know, you know what they really need, mm-hmm. but that doesn't yeah. mean we don't address their felt needs. I think that's, that's something that um, draws us to God. And I think, you know, two things I would say about the scriptures you're just reading. It's interesting because we don't really know about the leper that much. Um, you know, obviously we could make some assumptions based on what we know about lepers mm-hmm. in the time of the first century under Judaism. But um, one thing that's interesting to me, and this is, you can agree or disagree or expand on this, but these two stories, actually, both people came to Jesus with a need and one seemed, they both came to the right person, you know, mm-hmm. can you help me? But one of them actually seemed to have a deeper revelation of who Christ was, the mm-hmm. centurion who had faith yeah. and said, you know, you're a man of authority. I mean, obviously, he had some understanding yeah. of the divinity of Christ. I mean, because he actually believed by faith that he could heal him yeah. without even mm-hmm. going under his roof. But Jesus still, you know, even though he compliments the, uh, you know, the the faith of the centurion, which is excellent— he still tends to the need of both people. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is this idea that, that there is this compassionate element to Christ that when we do talk about the, the sovereignty of God and the glory of God and the, the unknowableness of God, unless he mm-hmm. reveals himself, these you know, huge attributes that are all true, um, we, can't, we can't do that at the expense of Christ who took on flesh. Christ's compassion, you know, mm-hmm. it's when it says he looked at the crowd and, and had compassion towards them or, you know, you just think about this, this element. He didn't, 
criticize the leper and and say, well, the mm-hmm. the centurion had more faith than you. Right. It says he <laughs> he touched them both. Yep. And so I think I think in our in our administration of that, in our preaching, but also in our actions as ministers, I think that we we do it with the mindset that we 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 want to be like Jesus. We feed the hungry not because they might come to our church. Right. We feed the hungry because they're hungry. Yeah. We we help people because that's the heart of God towards people. Um, and and when you were talking about agendas earlier, you know, there's nothing wrong with having an agenda as long as it's not disingenuous. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's okay if I came to you and said, Gary, I have a request of you, um, and here's what it is, and here's why yeah. I want it. And you would have the, you know, the ability to say, you know, yes or no thanks, or mm-hmm. but I'm just straightforward with you about it. What what the problem is with most people, the way you were speaking about agendas was before, is the fact that they represent one thing, but they really have an intention of another yeah. thing. And, and, and so for us, I think that, that sort of grabbing onto that, that, that part of Jesus is, is something that we can never lose touch of because we all needed a touch from Jesus and still do in Mm -hmm. other areas of our life. Yeah. And, and I would say even at the beginning of our conversation here, the trajectory of where Christ is taking us to, to greater depths and greater revelation, there never is a moment where this first stage of our felt needs and our brokenness of, in our humanity is is never <clears throat> negated in Christ casting that off it's like that. Well, that's the immature stuff. That's the baby stuff. Quit asking me now. He, he continues to keep that, but he expands on it, and it has. It doesn't have an ulterior motive, and it doesn't have a hidden agenda. But it does. It is purposeful for this purpose. I came, and I, and I do think that. So the, so I'd say the second thing, if we just moving this progress, and, may, and maybe we could see it as like a, you know, if, if I could draw it, it'd be like a, a funnel. So you know you start here and you enter into the things of Christ with this: Will you? Can you? Is there any hope that uh, then the funnel expands? Because Jesus said, "Okay, you know, I'll take care of those felt needs, but now I want to show you something." And it expands. Then it goes in even to the deeper revelations of the things of God. This this funnel, uh, kind of like a megaphone, just just increasing right. in volume and and density and weight. Uh, so, but the second one, excuse me, after is uh, will you? As I think, Jesus does this in order that something greater could happen in our lives. He loves the compassionate touch, healing the bodies, helping the marriage, helping our children, helping our finances. But but he goes, I, there's he has greater resources available. And I, I, I believe that, that that question, will you, and his response, I will, has a desire in his heart for the question that would rise out of this. So will you, and then is who are, uh, or uh, who is, who is this man? You know, we, we find this, uh, interesting enough, right in uh, in Matthew chapter eight as well. I almost wonder if there's some some progression here in in Matthew eight that that I'm charting out here to to some degree. You know, he, he cleanses the leper, he heals the uh, centurion um, <clears throat> servant, and and by the way, just backtracking a little bit, I, I do agree with you that that you know he, he had faith. He, he said, uh, "What did Jesus say? I, I, I found." Truly, truly, I say to you, that's verse 10, uh, <clears throat> with no one in Israel have I found such faith. And the reason I think that, that I could clearly agree with you that he understood some of the divinity of Christ is because it says, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Right. That's, a, that's, a, that's a normal response to seeing something more than um, a healer. Because there were other, you know, history tells us there were other people that were like faith healers in Jesus' day. Right. So the centurion probably would not say that to the, you know any rabbi who just could heal the sick. He was saying it to 
Jesus. <clears throat> Although I do believe that the centurion still was going under that will you no doubt. type of faith. He wasn't quite yet, um, but but maybe just just skirting on the out, outsides of of who is this man. Yeah. Um, but then Jesus, what he does is is trying to take us. He he calms the storm because <clears throat> they're fear. So it's it's the felt need. I'm fearful. That's another, you know. Uh, Incredible felt need is like, will you help me with this issues of anxiety, stress, fear? And so these are the, the first touches of Jesus in our life. Um, but I think what he's after here is in verse 27, and the men marveled. Okay, we could stop right there and just say, okay, there. Now we're moving into a new category. Uh, it's one thing to be healed, and even marveled that my body's healed or the waves stop, but they're marveling at something else here by saying, what sort of man is this? That even the winds and the seas or the waves obey him, so there's there's there there's the, the the divinity, the sovereignty of God that that Jesus, they're starting to kind of wonder, you know, is this guy God? You know, because yeah. he's he has he is doing things only, you know, and and that was the question the Pharisees asked him, like, you know, when they raised raised the dead, is like, you know, or forgiven sins, you know, they, you know, only God can do this. So, so that's that, that that the question becomes is you know who is this man? Yeah, and that that's an incredible place. It's it's one thing to be in, you know, um, will you? But when you start getting into who is, your your man, your eyes open up, the blinders are taken off, your heart leaps with praise and adoration. You your your mind begins to think in new ways. There's a there's the renewing of the mind. There's the changing of the tra- trajectory, um, and then it also I would say it moves us off of um, kind of a me mentality. Do right. this for me. Seek. I'm, I'm seeking this. I need that. God, be, be, be. You know, God to me is somebody who does something for me, uh, for my benefit. Now we're starting to say, well, who is this man? So it really is changing our heart, right, and our mind. Yeah, I think that can progressively persist mm-hmm. through our walk with God as Absolutely. we go deeper. But it's also the sort of entry point into following Christ. Like, who is yeah. this man? There's, you know, yeah. the lepers when ten came. Nine were healed. One yeah, came back. Exactly. And was made whole. And so there are there are many people who have their felt needs met by Jesus. I mean, there was a whole group of them when he multiplied bread. And, you know, they were kind of following him like, you know, where's the miracle guy? Where's the bread guy? And then he yeah, turned around yeah, and gave yeah. him that dramatic call to discipleship when it says that his, you know, uh, up-and-coming megachurch dwindled down to just a handful of people. Um, because there is this line in the sand that has to be drawn to who he is. Yeah. And I think that when you talk about the 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 fear of the uh, the men on the boat when Jesus calms the storm, what's interesting about that story is their felt need was they were afraid. Mm-hmm. And they went from fearing something outside of the boat to fearing <laughs> something inside of the boat. boat. Who is yeah. this man? Who is, that even yeah. the wind and the waves listen to him. Yeah. And and fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This idea of not just fear like we fear the mighty wrath of God, like the vastness of mm-hmm. God is here. God yeah. is among us. Like this idea of, uh, and, and I think that is um, th- something that the gravity of, I think there's two things that join together with your first two points. The gravity of who is this man? And you start to get this, this wondering about could, you know, in our case, it's the God of the Bible. I remember being in jail thinking to myself, like it, I'd always kind of believed it, but just having that moment where like, is the God of the Bible really God? Like really God? Like this this moment where it's just like, oh my goodness. And now when I'm reading the Bible, like I'm, it's something totally different to me. And I feel like in that moment, um, 
they it, it, the fear of the Lord is this this vastness, but it's not disjointed from the fact that this is the same guy who fed us and healed us and helped us. Yeah. I think those two things are are joined together. Yeah. Um, and so I I I think that is that place that second place that you're talking about. Who is this man? It's an ever deepening thing as mm-hmm. we we go deeper into our walk with God. But it, but it is also that entry point of where where some of the crowd stayed and worshipped and some mm-hmm. some went away, yeah. um, you know, type situation. I'm so glad you brought that up because that <clears throat> that um, this 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 pro- progression that Christ has us on oftentimes has hindrances, roadblocks. You know, um, the guy came to him and said, you know, hey, we want to be your follower, uh, but first let me go bury my father, right. or uh, you know that. There, there are, you know, there's like they they wanted Jesus to continue in like constant felt needs. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be a disciple of yours, but you know, it's been three days and we haven't eaten yet, so you know, do a few more miracles first, or right. let, me, let me go do this first. And there is a, a huge cutoff, so to speak, of people. You know, thousands and multitudes can follow him for the felt needs. Yeah, and I, I don't want to disparage any churches here, but it, but oftentimes churches that are exclusively a felt need are huge. Yeah, you know, if it's Sunday after Sunday, it's about you and your needs and how God's going to bring you out of that trouble and raise you up to your destiny and your fulfillment. Those churches are oftentimes huge. Now, it's not to say there's not large churches that sure. that preach the whole counsel of, of the gospel, but it it does seem probably the most culturally acceptable, the kind that don't offend people. Mm-hmm. Get get kind of stuck a little bit just in the felt needs, and if the, and and if they were confronted, like they were with Jesus, and and the thing about when you're saying you know that he that he begins to speak to them not about multiplying bread anymore, but now you know eat my and drink my body. And right. it's like, okay, now now These you're getting sayings. yeah. So who is this man that's asking me to to do this, or who's this man that's requiring my full attention or my heart, my adoration, my love, my affection? Who who is this man that wants to change me? Not, not just help me with some of the things I need. And I think that goes to the heart of what what I, you know, was referencing before when people would come to Teen Challenge or new believers would come to a church I pastored. Um, I do care about their felt needs, yeah. but there's something I care about much more deeply than that. So we're we're giving and we're we're blessing and we're helping because that's the heart of God, mm-hmm. you know. If we have, we should give, right? Yeah. Um, that's that's just an evidence that we belong to Christ, that we trust mm-hmm. that He's the provider of all things. Um, you know, the Bible even commands us to do this to look after, you know, the poor. But but the but the doing the first at the expense of the second, you know, it's it's reorienting love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and mm-hmm. love your neighbor as yourself. It's many churches, not all, but the ones you're speaking of have elevated and flipped that coin. And so we will, we don't want to do anything that would undermine the felt needs of people and not even, you know, explaining clearly and concisely who Christ is and what he's called us to as believers. And I think that's where, um, you know, the, the breadline disappears. And I, and I think, I think it's a grave tragedy to do that, it really does show the wrong motives and intentions mm-hmm. of the yeah. heart of men. One last thing I would say about that, though, is, um, you know, the the primary treasure, the primary healing, the primary blessing that we have to give to people is the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so by any means necessary, 
I want to give that to them. And I'm going to, I want to do it with a loaf of bread. I want to do it as we build a church in Guatemala. I want to, but, but always for the purpose of that. And listen, that was Jesus's purpose too. Um, And so he wanted, he came so that people would know who he is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I think it's just important to say that there are many people that in churches, but many people that linger around that entry point and they, they, they don't really want or they're not told or they don't really want to know who Jesus is. And they're still crying about felt needs. Why, mm-hmm. why is my marriage in shambles and why is this happening? But when, when they get ushered into the the presence of the person who actually has the power to change things, yeah. the price, yeah. the price is too high because the yeah. price is if anyone would come after me, yeah. let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Yeah, You're absolutely right. And it's not a, it's not as if the second thing, the who is, is a bait and switch. Like Jesus right. said, like, you know, here, let me touch your felt need. Uh, but that's not important anymore. Now it's felt need. That, right. that, that, that it, even in the who is, it's still kind of, to some degree, he's still touching our felt need because we need something more than... We realize. Yeah, I have a chronic neck ache. Uh, <clears throat> can you touch me? Will you touch me? Yes, I'll do that. But there's a greater will you. Uh, yep. Will you show who you are? Uh, and so he's still doing the same thing. He's still blessing, glory, you know, uh, showing us his glory, whether it's in the stage one or stage two, this funnel that's getting expanded into the, our, our minds are getting blown by the marvels of God in that. But it's not, it's not like he's saying like, oh, well, I'm not interested in that. So, you know, just a, a personal antidote for me is when, you know, just five, six years ago, and I, I was, you know, don't hear this as a boast, but you know, I would hope that I've progressed down this funnel you know, to ever expanding to the, maybe even hopefully to this third part that we're going to talk about in just a minute. <clears throat> but I still have to come back to that felt need at times. And so somebody, <clears throat> a doctor called me, <clears throat> pardon me, five years ago and said, you have cancer, uh, thyroid cancer. And uh, I told my wife, I, I didn't need her to say, well, you know, the sovereignty of God is this, then the immutability of God, he's an unchanging God, and uh, he's finite, he's infinite, and you're finite. So you know, I didn't need the great I am at that point. I, I just need her to say, like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. You know, she was feeling my hurt at that time. You know, eventually we get together and say, okay, we understand who, you know, who God is. He's, you know, live or die, I'm his. Right. You know, and so the fear begins to to be dismantled. And uh, so that that's that's the goodness of this thing. It's that he's constantly doing that, that, that he's doing that, doing the, the felt need is interwoven throughout all of this trajectory that he has us on yeah, in we don't, an unchanging way. And we don't have to do, I mean, there are times when we, you know, as preachers and as Christians draw lines in the sand about who God is and, and the truth of God's word that we have to live according to despite what we feel or think. But we don't have to do one at the expense of the other. Right. You know, there when, when you know, I've preached many funerals in, in my time as a pastor and you know, even though there are truths I know about, you know, a, a believing wife's husband who's a believing man who's died, mm-hmm. you know, yes, I want to comfort her in that fact. But, you know, when she's crying, I don't come and say, what are you crying for? You know, he's in the presence of Jesus. Right. You know, don't you believe the Bible? No, mm-hmm. no. I come alongside her, put my arm around her. You know, we're going to get through this. I'm so sorry. He was yeah. a great man. Um, I think I think there is something about the humanity of Jesus and the hypostatic union that expresses something that nothing else could ever express. And that's, that's the fact that he stood with us. He hungered with us. 
He, he felt pain. He was tempted, but never sinned. It's this idea that Jesus was where we are and is where we are. And I think that that is a huge part of our Christian witness. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when we go to do, you know, our world missions or our conferences uh, in other parts of the world, you know, the people who are there to see us, yes, we have a message from the Lord for them. Yes, we engage in helping them plant churches and things like that. But so many times it's that that we would come, you know, you came to us, you're, you're here with us. There's this sort of like standing in solidarity with each other that mm-hmm. that is something that is so— it's so Christ-like, yeah. and I think so. I think we have to work hard to hold on to the other we while we're while we're growing. You know, in that funnel is not to let go of that. And like you alluded to, and you didn't misspeak. I, you know, I have come, you know, to a place in my life where I, I, I feel very convicted about the truth of God and proclaiming the glory of God. But I have to be guarded that I don't do that at the expense of of the weaker brother or or the person that's weaker than me in this yeah. moment because guess what i may get the call next week that i've got throat cancer or right. that my son is sick or something like that and mm. then we and i think that's what paul really meant when he said in my weakness mm-hmm. i am strong because i can yeah. do all things through christ it's in his weakness it's in our weakness that we really see our need for Christ and we don't I don't pray that over you mm-hmm. but but those are the those, I think we all and any person who pretends like they don't have that um you know element is yeah. is blindly walking That's true. we always keep the will you we'll do that till our dying day you know uh, laying your head on your deathbed and on your pillow and maybe that last prayer is you know be with my grandkids yeah. You know, that's you're still you're still saying will you and God loves that honors that so we're not diminishing that what we're saying though we're trying trying to say is just don't get stuck in that place where that's the only element of relationship you have with God right uh, some people have that it's week after week will you do more will you I want the bigger house I want all oh, you know so on and so forth move move into this God God is trying to draw you into and, and He's blessing you and that the kindness is is to show that and and you're right that we can't we can't ever as preachers we can't ever you know, jettison the will you, you know, how, if, 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 if we struggle with that, how much more Jesus that he, he could have just said everything he could have done is like, let me spend the next eight hours telling you what God is like. I've spent an eternity with him. Right. Uh, <laughs> let me show you his illumination, his glory, his power, right. his majesty, you know, but, but he brought it down, uh, but he didn't just stay there. And that's the good news. He brought us into this who is, and that's, that's the journey that we're on the rest of our life as well. That, that one doesn't stop either, but it expands and and I would suggest we spend more time now on that, a little less on my my felt needs. <clears throat> we examine this most clearly. This comes number one: how we read and preach the scriptures. Definitely. Is it through the lens of me? What do I get out of this? Um, number two: our prayer life. Is oh, it yeah. all like uh, you know, bless me and help me and change this and give me the raise and or is it <clears throat> show me your glory? Yeah. Uh, or thanksgiving, Lord, you're a redeemer. You're you're, you're a justifier, you're a sanctifier. Thank you for, you know, so, so you're moving into deeper waters, really. For and sure. The third one. Do, no, I guess go ahead. No, I was just, okay, go yeah, yeah, just going to say one thing about that, too. And I think one of the biggest parts of that um, is the fact that we, as we become, as we, if we are truly being sanctified, if we're, if we're reading God's word and spending time in prayer and growing with Christ, we begin to see reality through a different lens than we did before. 
Because mm-hmm. you were talking about in the beginning how your identity was the thing. Yeah. But the, to tell you the truth, Gary, my the, my drug addiction ha- was rooted in my identity. That's true, yeah. And, and, and homosexuality and is mm-hmm. rooted in identity. And, yeah. um, you know, every sort of trouble mm-hmm. we find ourselves in is rooted in this identity. And at some point, when we get that picture of who Christ really is, our identity should start being more rooted in that. Right. And then we start looking at the would you's um, in a different way. I yeah. like I like to say this uh, very often, and I don't say it flippantly like I'm completely arrived to this place. But the true believer in Christ who has grown and is growing in the image of Christ is a person that doesn't ask questions as often. There's nothing wrong. We should still ask the mm-hmm. would you and be yeah. compassionate <clears throat> towards, and like you said on your deathbed, would you right. be with my grandkids? Would you be with my wife? Yeah. But the the most important question sort of shifts into not can you or will you or would you, but does this or doesn't this bring you glory? And mm-hmm. that's, I think, where you're heading. Yeah. But I think in, in our lives, if we don't, it, it there's an evidence in our lives. Like I used to pray over, you know, one of my lost loved ones and I would just, God, heal them from addiction, heal them from addiction. My prayer for them now is, God, by any means necessary, mm-hmm. draw them to yourself. I don't want them to suffer. Right. I don't want them to go through things, but but I want God to do whatever it takes to yeah. to to grip their soul. And and the final thing I would say is this: when I came to God with my "Would you?", He didn't immediately. He used it to draw me to Himself. He didn't. He did didn't. Not, and did he not. didn't. Okay. Well, I came down and and I mean, He did eventually. Right. But I'm saying in the moment yeah. when I said, "God, heal me. I'm a drug addict. I'll, I'll do anything. I'll follow you." I'm convinced that if God would have just miraculously healed me, which he could have, right. and he has with others, that I would have got up from that altar and I would have went back and lived a life for myself wow. and been a successful lost yeah. person. But yeah. instead, God graciously used that suffering to draw me to himself. And in the right time, through his will, by his sovereignty, yeah. when he <laughs> knew he had my heart, and I'm not trying to put words in God's mouth, it's just my personal experience, that, that he did heal me of it. And you know what? I, what I have, I don't just have sobriety now. I have faith in Christ, mm-hmm. and so I'm thankful that He didn't answer my "Would you?" Yeah. in the exact fashion that I I would have liked Him to. Yeah, no, that. <clears throat> pardon me. That's profound. How important it is that we know that that sometimes the no that God gives us is a greater yes. That uh, you know the, the the suffering you use the word suffering the suffering you go through. Has has a purpose behind it as part of his agenda. Didn't feel to, that to way then. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. And, and yet, you know that if if it's just would you, and it's always has to be an immediate yes, or I'm going to leave you. You know, like the disciples, Jesus asked, "Will you will you also leave me?" And they said, "Where can we go?" They they understood it wasn't just about the bread and the fish and the you alone have the, the words of life. Words of life. They had something deeper on this trajectory that we're talking about. Here, here today. So that, that, but that's really important. What you're saying there is just how we need to understand that uh, sometimes our asking in the felt needs, is, you know, the maybe in next podcast we want to talk about Acts chapter one. You know, they had these miraculous things of the, the, the after the cross, the resurrection, the appearance of Christ, and and he says to them, you know, mm-hmm. he, he begins to speak to them about the kingdom. And their question to them is, will you at this time restore the kingdom? There's a will you question, right? Yeah. Will you? So they're still asking it even after the resurrection. So And there's even uh, a bi- biblical precedent for it because right. of their view yeah. of the book of Isaiah. They're thinking yeah. kind of like John the Baptist. Okay, uh-huh. you know, the, the truth has come. Where's the wrath? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, so they want 
They, their, their, their will you is too small. Will you, will you restore Israel? You know, will you, will you get me off drugs? Yes, I will, but it's too small a thing. It's and, good. And so that, that's, the, the, while well, we have a little bit of time left, because uh, I'm sure people, I'm, I'm hoping they're curious as to what the third, I don't want to call it level because that sounds strange, sure. but the, de- the, the greater depth, the, the, the expanse of the things of God uh, is found in John. Uh, so maybe we could take a few minutes to turn to John, John chapter 8. And, and we see here Christ really taking us to the next level. While we're turning there, you said something. I think I might need to add a fourth category to this is what glorifies God. You know, because I'm talking. I'm talking about the third category uh, is being moving from "Will you?" to us asking the question "Who is?" Uh, now, but the, the the thing with both of those, it's our. It's something from us coming to Him. Will you? Who is? But the the greatest part is when it when it transitions. Okay, God says, "I'm now. I'm going to turn the tables upside down. This is not about your questions or your. Now I'm going to reveal." And so I call this the "I am." So, so Christ, the the, the trajectory of this growing development in our life, the progression of the depth of Christ brings us to the point where there's this constant revelation, wisdom, knowledge, insight, well, being flooded with His presence or His glory. Quick sidebar: to me, that you know, people are asking lately because of what's going on in Asbury and other college campuses and maybe some other spots around the world, you know, what is revival? And some will say, well, it's so it's you know this or that or it's repentance or it's preaching or it's worship and stuff like that. I think it's when you get to this place of he's revealing himself. It's is you know show me your glory and he's and he's and boom all of a sudden you're just that's where people fall on their face. Yes. That's that's where people are undone. That's where people say you don't have to call it a, a repentance revival because when you see him when he says to you, I am yeah you're gonna you're gonna respond. And so I, I think I, to me that's the greatest form of. Revival is when Christ says that. So in 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 uh, chapter eight, um, and I think you know some people say I don't I don't know if you've studied this or not. Um, I haven't really looked at too much, but you know there's a, a large number. Some say seven or more, eight different times Christ pronounces. Now he uses the word I am a lot, you know, but where it's a pronouncement. Yeah, I am revealing my nature, my character. In my John, there's seven, seven, seven where okay. he uses the, the tetragrammatron, which is a yeah. theological way of saying nice. that name of God that God reserved for Himself that He gave to Moses yeah. when, when you know, He told him that He was standing on holy ground, right. and then He said, "Who, who is it that would send me? Yeah, and to, to, who should I say is sending me when He sent Moses into yeah. Israel?" And He said, "Tell them that I am, that I am that that sort of." Hebrew saying mm-hmm. for God is is only attributable to the God of Israel. Yeah, and so, so and so that's what makes it so um powerful the seven times that Jesus does it in John. I had the privilege of actually preaching through the entire book of John mm-hmm. before I came here line on line and so nice. um I got to dig into mm-hmm. this this gospel um first time I'd ever done that and it's uh, such a unique gospel don't want to get off track there but yeah it's a uh, it really is interesting because the Gospel of John was obviously written later than the Synoptic Gospels, and I think it's written sort of in light of the fact that you already know this about Christ. Like, you know the Gospel, you know, the the Gospel to the Jews. You see the, the sort of Jewish language of Matthew, sort of a practical language mm-hmm. of Mark, the second-person witness, uh, biographer of, of Luke, the physician. And so when John writes his, he really comes to a place from an assumption that you know the other things. That's why he picks 
seven miracles, which are called the yeah. seven signs of the gospel of John. And they all testify to one thing, That's right. that Christ is God. And that <laughs> is the purpose and point of John that's twofold. And then I'll stop uh, monologuing. Twofold purpose of John in John 20, verse 30, it tells you the purpose. It says, this book was written. Well, I'll just read it yeah. since, so I don't uh, misrepresent it. But in John chapter 20, it's cool when a, when a book actually tells you the meaning of something like in one of Jesus's parables afterwards, he says, and here's the meaning of the parable. Yeah. It's really helpful. But in John chapter uh, 30, there's chapter 20, um, verse 30 and 31, it says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which were not written in this book, but these were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the agenda of the that's, gospel of John. That's the ultimate, that's the ultimate the purpose end. of this book. That's why John wrote this. And that's yeah. why it starts with a revelation that God is, Jesus is the God of creation and that Jesus is the God of the word. And so thinking about that way, then when we get into these, I am mm -hmm. that you're going to talk about, um, yeah. it kind of puts a little, you know, and backdrop to it, the yeah. purpose. And Jesus makes it clear all through the, the yeah. gospel. Yeah. You're, you're spot on. And that's not just John saying, here's why I'm writing this book. He understood the heart of Jesus. Correct. He understood that here's why Jesus did all these signs. Uh, here's here's why he did all those will use, and here's why he made people marvel at when they started asking questions, who is this man, so that you might believe he is. And then there's one other one here in John 8, too, that is part of this whole uh, trajectory. <clears throat> he, he says, and so he starts, you know, not starts, but, but in verse 12, he spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Um, the, then another time he says in here, Verse 24, uh, I told you that you would die in your sins unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. It's powerful. Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So, okay, it's, it's important to have felt needs met, but, you know, you could have been, like you said, a successful, you know, drug-free heathen, you know, lost, right. lost person. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Christ is ultimately, I believe, after his glory, but but our our coming, you know, you know, certainly makes it clear here that when he's starting to reveal this this deeper level of who he is, it's to bring him into this I am, and it has a purpose that that you don't die in your sins, that you're redeemed, that now you're getting to these big glorious words that we can truly marvel at. Yeah. Beyond he healed my body, beyond he has power to calm the the waves and cease our fear from hindering us now we're talking about okay the only one that can can forgive my sins that can redeem me that has uh, that has has redemption has sanctification has glory has power has wisdom insight you know, all these things are found in him and so it's taking us you know it, it really it should take our eyes off of you know, although we still bring our, will you to him? Would you do this for me? We still bring that to him, but it's not as high a priority anymore. And if it doesn't, if he says no, it doesn't alarm us. We don't go, we don't reject him. We don't go back. Correct. We, yeah. We keep, we keep it going. I think one thing, Gary, um, that as in an ever increasing way, as we come to the saving knowledge of Christ and God becomes our father, I know I've said this before, but if God is truly our father, 
I mean, remember the the Pharisees here are saying that God is my father and Jesus is like, he's not your father. You're of your father, the devil here in chapter eight. And the reason why is because you don't believe in God. And I know this because I'm standing in front of you and you're rejecting me. But, But those of us who call God our father, we do ask for the needs, but we ask them in light of his kingdom coming and his mm-hmm. will being done. Yeah. And as we grow in the revelation of I am, those become it becomes more natural for us to pray right. that way. Jesus said it, when you pray, pray this way. He didn't say don't ask for daily bread right. and don't ask okay. to lead into temptation and be men of mighty faith. No, he said, when you ask these things, do it acknowledging that you're reconciled to God through me and that you that that you pray in, in light of or through the lens of God's kingdom coming, God's will being done, yeah. and then give us this day our daily bread. Yeah. Give us the things we need. Help us, heal us, yeah. touch us, be with us. But those things are through that funnel of thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Mm-hmm. You can't superimpose that on someone who doesn't believe that, that, that believes as Christ is God. Right. You know, and so we can't superimpose that onto the lost. We can't super—one uh, more thing, and sure. I'll—, I'll you know, when Jesus deals with the Pharisees here in John chapter 8, and that's what this is, this whole back and forth is mm-hmm. between Jesus mm-hmm. and the Pharisees. Jesus doesn't deal with them the way he deals with the Samaritan woman at the well. He doesn't deal with them in the way that he does with the disciples. He doesn't deal with them in the way that he deals with the the Roman centurion. You know, all lost yeah. before he, they came into contact with them. But the reason why he deals with them is because they already have all the groundwork laid. They know mm-hmm. the prophets. They know the law. They are, they're sitting in the seat of <laughs> Moses. So he doesn't have to build this context with them that he does to the other the others. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if any one of those Pharisees would have bowed down and said, you are Lord, he wouldn't have said, well, it's about time. No, he would have said, you know, you're, you know, follow me. And right. he would have loved them and, and, and treated them the same way he treated the tax collectors and the fishermen and everything else. But he didn't have to build the context because they knew the law, the prophets, they knew mm-hmm. all the things. Um, and so he cut straight to the, I am, because that's the point of John. Not that Jesus is a bread multiplier, not that Jesus is a good teacher, not that right. Jesus is one of the prophets, but that Jesus is the Christ, mm-hmm. that Jesus is God. And I think if Jesus would have backed away from that, kissed the ring of yeah. of the high priest and said, I'm a prophet from God, they would have probably assimilated him into, yeah. but he didn't, he's, listen, I am God. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Yeah, so that's what got him killed, and that's what uh, right. most people <clears throat> get to that point. I think it's interesting that the the, the the ones who were saying, will you, and they got healed or the, the, the sea was calmed and their fear was gone, they started asking, who is this man? The Pharisees, John A., they were asking the same question, who, but they in a very different way. And for a different who reason. Who does this man think that he is? Um, who is this man that says, claims he heals, uh, uh, cleanses sin? <clears throat> that you know. So Jesus was definitely contending with them. But I think for the the— Put the Pharisees and the religious, um, cold-hearted people aside, and just say these these hungry-hearted people. You know, what what a precious thing that God is taking them to a higher level of something that, and and it's not like dread. Like, oh, it used to be so good in the early days when Jesus met my felt needs, and then I started asking these questions of who is He, and that was so great discovery. But now it's all about I am. You know, it's not diminishment. It's it's an exaltation of you know we're we're getting we're getting seated with Christ in heavenly places because we're seeing him where he is and who he is and it it is the greatest it, it's it's a greater i will you know 
than will you heal my body? It's will you show yourself to me? Will you will will you become known to me? Can you manifest your presence and uh, can the word of God open to me in rich ways that is never before? Those, those are the greatest miracles no that, that we can know Him. That that today somebody could sit down with their Bible open and hear God speak to them. I mean that that's you know they can have their body healed and their body is going to eventually you know fall apart in old age anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, but that knowledge is is eternal. They're going to have that. Let me close with uh, because when you get to the IMs, I, I just. Uh, I didn't know there, you said seven. I think you're absolutely right. There's seven here that I think, yeah, and they're all from John. But even these, so you're getting to this, 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 the the progression that Christ has for us. But even now, when you're in then, it's, and I think you hit on this, it's even in that realm of progressing to, I don't want to call it third stage, but you know, talking about sure. today's conversation, even when you're in that third stage, that's not the end. You don't go like, okay, I got here, I arrived. That's just the beginning. That's just, okay, now. And so it just, I, I thought this was interesting. I never, I'd never seen this before until I started doing some research today. Um, so the first, first I am is bread of life, which is kind of a felt need. You know, it, it's more than that, but it does start off with a link to something, my daily bread. And then it goes light of the world. Okay, so I'm starting to see something that I'm not seeing. The darkness is being dispelled in light. Then it's the door. Uh, I am the door. If anyone enters me, uh, he will be saved. And so it's not just, illumination or bread to feed us, it's now there's an entrance into a, a new journey. So you're getting past the will you, and you're getting into the who is this and and who is the I am. Then he's the good shepherd, so he's now he's leading us. He's moving us around. We're in the door, but it's not just, oh, welcome, glad you're here. He's moving us into new things. And then he's the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. He believes in me through me. May he die, shall live. So you're talking about eternal life. And then he then he adds to that in John 14. Now all of these first one starts in John six, then eight, then ten. So there's even in Jesus's teaching, and and the way John brought this to us, attached to these miracles you were talking about, is this progression that he's taking us into deeper waters, way the way, the truth, truth and the life. And so it's uh, it's moving on. Then the last one is the, the John fifteen five. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So now it's, okay, you're in, you're growing, but you got to abide in this place. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that, to me, that just That's a really nice helps. progressive progression of mm-hmm. looking through. I think one of the, uh, you know, I don't want to open up a whole new discussion, but I think that this is, you know, what you're talking about here um, as we get into that deeper place really is something that was so apparent in the the life of the Apostle Paul. Mm. You know, I don't know how many times, but Paul always talks about being in Christ, right. like being in the door, you know, being yeah. on the mm-hmm. other side of the narrow passage, um, being wrapped up in in this, you know, you're in this, you're in Christ. And I think, uh, you know, there's so many things we could look at those I am's and even find, you know, probably things that trace back to Jewish teachings or the Old Testament mm-hmm. that would probably even add a lot of depth to it because, yeah. um, you know, the way Christ taught was, you know, primarily from illusions and, and explanations and fulfillments of, of the mm-hmm. Law and the Prophet. <clears throat> but uh, I, think, I think that one that you, you mentioned at the very end, you know, I am the vine and you are the branches. This this is the hope, the ultimate hope for all the other things, mm-hmm. you know, that, that God sustains us and he leads us and he brings us into himself. But ultimately, it's this like, 
you will bear much fruit. You will be alive. You will, you will be in me and I in you if you are connected to me. Um, and I just preached on this, not from John, but from uh, the book of Romans, where, where Paul is admonishing the Gentiles to not be arrogant because they really are, they're not supporting the, the vine, right? The vine is supporting them. And they've been grafted into this beautiful yeah. vine, this olive tree that is Christ. And I think the it starts with Christ, very beginning of what you said today, starts with Christ reaching his hand out mm -hmm. for the felt needs of people. And ultimately, it ends with us being in him, yeah. part of him, uh, growing to him in an increasing way to the point where one day we will be glorified with Christ, seated in heavenly places, mm -hmm. positionally we already are, yeah. um, and we will, we will be like him, uh, co-heirs, co-laborers. And so I think— it is this beautiful progression of, of, of Christ uh, implementing, accomplishing, mm -hmm. sustaining, sanctifying, and ultimately accomplishing salvation in our lives. Yeah, well said. I'll close with this the, for me. And feel free to add any last comments you have. Moving from will you to who is to I am, the voice changes. This middle part of who is 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 really the determining factor of where we're going to end up in this journey with with Jesus because <clears throat> when we start asking the question who is this man and he starts revealing himself i am the way the truth and life which makes us say well there's what about these other ways that i would like to live my life or no it's not i i am it, it, mm -hmm. this this journey can reverse at this point who is uh, let me just go back and live in the will you uh, but but who is also can take us in to reveal and show. So I think this is probably the most important factor here today as we're talking to people is is when when you're in that middle ground where you're you're starting to see him in new ways and new light. You know you can either choose you know, to to engage more and and allow the Holy Spirit to teach more and show more. And you can come into that great I am, or you can kind of just fizzle a little bit or. You know, that's we've studied the book of Hebrews together that that draw back or shrink back or you know draw away and not go into the fullness of the things that God has for us. So that that's an important place, and that's why we. This, I think this podcast was for people to urge them to to stir up the faith to you know consider this to to look looking to Jesus. That uh, that's what we want from people. So I don't know. Any last minute thoughts? Are we all done, done for the day? Or I'll just say one thing. I uh, you know the. Quoting you, actually quoting your dad when I interviewed you a few years ago, you know, I asked you what, you know, if you could think of, you know, out of all the thousands of things your dad said to you, um, you know, what's something that your dad said to you that really impacted you? And I don't know if you remember what you said, but your your response was, you can have as much, much Jesus, Jesus as you want. want. Right. Um, not only did that become a, something that I meditated on a lot, but it actually kind of, the ministry that I went back to, before, you know, that I worked at before I came here, it kind of became this thing that we mm. talked about a lot. And it's just so interesting because uh, this isn't something deep and theological. It's just a practical reality of my, of my life. Um, anytime that there has been stagnation or dryness or whatever, for whatever reason, it's usually me noticing, looking around and noticing that I've taken my eyes off of Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. And there has never been a time where, where God, um, uh, I'm not going to say that I don't want to say it in a sensational or emotionalistic way that there's never been times where I've prayed and, you know, 
didn't feel dry or didn't feel, you know, I wasn't doing it out of discipline or honor for the Lord. But on the other side of every journey, every bat- battle, every wilderness place, there's never been a place where where there wasn't a deepening of Christ. The only time that there has been is when I'm, my affections are elsewhere. I'm holding back. And the sad part is, is I, I don't typically realize it until I start feeling some of the symptoms of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, uh, and then, and, and this is also a mechanism, God drawing us back into himself. Um, for two people listening, I would say two different things and then I'll be done. One is this, if you don't know this Jesus that we talk of, there is nothing sweeter, more mm-hmm. beautiful, more loving, <clears throat> more important than fellowship with Christ. Um, and for those of you who do know Christ, um, you know, if you're in a dry spot, you're in a dry season, um, you know, reflect on those things, reflect on the great I am, because here's what, what actually happens to me. I'd never thought about this, by the way, until you told me this Mm. sort of progression the other day. And it's, it's really, you should write on this, I Mm. think, but not only if, if I'm really in this third stage, if you want to call it that seeing Christ for who he is it makes me even more aware of my neediness on the other side. Like as I have a mm-hmm. bigger, a greater mm-hmm. picture of who God is yeah. and a greater picture of, of myself, I've realized that I'm actually a lot more needy than I thought I was. Yeah. I have, I'm a lot, le- I'm, I'm a lot more dependent on him for everything, not just the air in my lungs, but for <laughs> the spiritual energy in my life and for freedom. And, and it's, the, it is like being connected to a vine. And so mm-hmm. I think a healthy place for, for people who see that great I am is, 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 is an indication that we still have you know, we're and, and really in an evangelistic way that we're making that Jesus known and, and we're and we're reaching out to the felt needs of people mm-hmm. because we want like Christ to seek and save the lost. Yeah. That's so cool that you were as you say that, it reminds me of what you were saying earlier. You know, when you you thought you'd come to Christ, you know, need, needing a cure for drug addiction, <laughs> but you were you you as I think your own words were it was kind of something in you know that were more internal. A self self image uh, that was not the image it was a uh, um, identity identity yes so identity now now you think of this now now you're in this place of true identity of identity in Christ and who he's saying here's who I am it, you're you're going back to the, those early days of the felt need and you're saying and and it changes you you know what you thought of even of your past so it so it not only changes your future it changes your history <laughs> no which, doubt. which makes makes you see things through a different lens. Like even you can even see, I see this in my kids that God had a purpose in, you know, in their, even when they went through their suffering, their hardships that, that and there was protracted time, amount of time. And why did God not heal quicker and move sooner? Uh, but well, we look back now and see, okay, that's part of, they have a greater picture of I am now because of that. Well, thanks for joining us today. Um, we were going to do 30 minutes and it's, I see a clock up here. We're almost at an hour or so. We definitely enjoyed the conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as well. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, uh, whatever venue you watch it on, uh, YouTube or Spotify or other places where you can uh, get to these podcasts. Uh, also at worldchallenge.org, some resources. Josh has written three books. Tell us the tell us the names of the three books. Simple Gospel, yeah. Modern Offense of the Cross, Hard Sayings, yeah. Reconciling the Cost of Discipleship in the American Dream. Cool. I always like subtitles. Yeah. And then Come and Die, yeah. Dying to Self and Living for Christ. Powerful, powerful books. And um, mm. you can get those uh, anywhere you purchase your books as well. Those are from Joshua West. Thanks again. We look forward to next week. We're going to be 
dealing with some issues, I think that kind of along these lines that will help take you deeper into the things of Christ. We know that's your heart. That's what you're hungry for. We hope to help stir that desire in your heart. God bless you. Grace and peace to you. Have a wonderful day. If you enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to do two things. First, share this with someone else. Second, click on the subscribe or follow button on whatever app you're using to listen to the show. That way you get notified when we release a new episode. Thanks for joining us. We hope to see you next time.